You're listening to The Warblers, a Birds Canada podcast, Minnesota. Our last episode was an adventure-filled visit to Long Point Bird Observatory, where volunteers and staff helped us learn all about bird banding, like opening the mist nets, checking the ground traps, the types of birds they were finding, and how to actually band them, of course. It was awesome. Uh, so be sure to check out that episode to experience a morning at a banding station. Today, we've got some bonus content from Stu McKenzie, who leads the operation at Long Point Bird Observatory. He shares an exciting band recovery story with us and explains a little more about bird safety with, uh, with banding and the importance of reporting bands overall. So, Stu, you said you've got a really good story about uh, uh, something we've learned from migratory birds here, maybe with Swainson's thrush? Yeah, you asked about banding recoveries and... I had to think, well, what are those great stories? And another one that popped in my head is that we often get recoveries from all over the Western Hemisphere, um, but a few really were quite curious of Swainson's thrush that showed up in Peru. Um, and we received three recoveries of Swainson's thrush from the Andes in Peru, and that's where Swainson's thrush overwinter, mostly in Eastern and Northern South America. And it turns out that the story behind those recoveries is that a a researcher was doing their PhD in, in the Andes and was communicating with some indigenous peoples who described devil birds, these devil birds with white bracelets on them. And the researcher, knowing a thing or two, decided to, well, can I, can I see those? And it turns out those devil birds with white bracelets were bird bands. Swainson's thrush are a, a lovely little meal and um, an important part of subsist subsistence in, in some areas. Uh, and it turns out that three of those birds were banded at Long Point uh, during migration to the Andes of Peru, ended up in a stew pot and um but that the information that that provides is just just astounding and the connections to that area as well is just great yeah the things we can learn from banding sometimes there's not a happy ending but but super fascinating this makes me think what should people do if they recover a band they have a bird colliding against the window and it has a band or if they see a bird in the feeder and they manage to get the number yeah so if you're lucky enough to find a a band or see a band and you can get any numbers, uh, you can report them to reportband.gov, which is a coordinating website for the North American bird banding program. Or you can find a bird observatory near you and they'll know what to do with it. Is it important for people to do it? Oh, very important. It um, magnifies the impact of that bird band exponentially if you're able to report anything on that. It's either a, a stage in their life or it'll be a band that was never recorded before. Uh, it's very important to get as much of that data as we can. Dude, there's a recurrent question in many cases when I speak to people, they worry when they see a bird caught in a net. They worry about how the bird is doing and the welfare of the bird. Can you tell us more about this? And also, how impactful it is for them to carry a tag or even a motus tag? Uh, yes. So there's a number of aspects. Anytime that you're dealing uh, or working with wildlife, um, we always try to take the birds or the animal's welfare is of utmost importance and the most important thing we do. So at a bird observatory where we're catching and banding birds, everything we try to do from an impact perspective is minimized. So we check the nets as frequently as possible. We all receive expert training in how to handle the birds to uh, minimize any potential impacts. They're 
process very quickly. I took my time with the Red Wing Blackbird earlier, but typically we can process a bird in 20 or 30 seconds uh, and they're out the door. So from many perspectives, it's the best day of their life because they escaped. They got away from the predator, but everything we do along the way is 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 done to, to minimize uh, any potential impact. The bands themselves weigh virtually nothing. So the birds, you know, how often do you even know you're wearing a ring or a bracelet anymore or a necklace? It's that same thing. It gets a little bit more tricky when you get into larger tracking devices. And there's been a lot of research continually being done on where that fine line is between allowing animals to carry tracking devices without impacting them at all. And that's that's important for their well-being, but it's also important for the science. Because if you're tracking birds that are impacted by a device, you're really just tracking the impact of the device. You're not tracking their their wild movement. Um, so the, the line that we've found is about 3% of the animal's body weight. So if we can keep everything below 3% of the body weight, it shows time and time again, either in their breeding productivity or their survival or their behavior that you really don't have any impact on the animal. If you go higher than 3%, then you get into that area uh, where the birds may be, uh, may be impacted. So we always try to keep everything from advanced tagging devices below 3%. Bands don't even register uh, in terms of their, their weight and impact on birds. Yeah, 3%. It's a cold day here. I think I'm probably wearing 3% of my body weight right now. 